Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. He's good. He's good. He's faithful. He just keeps reminding me that how faithful he is, how true he is, how trustworthy he is, how I can count on him, how he's never let me down. Even when times I thought I was going through the dark places, I tell you, he's never let me down. This week has been a rough week. I don't know how you're doing with your fast, but it's been a rough week. It hasn't been rough because I'm hungry, because I'm not. It's actually been an easy fast when it comes to my little G, God, as I like to call food. I love food. You can look at me and tell that I love food. I love to eat it. I'm not particular. I eat anything. I eat raw fish. Right? Come on. But I've noticed, I've sat there this week, and if you haven't noticed, I've hurt my neck. I had a coughing spell last week. had to sleep in the chair. Wife kicked me out of the bed. God bless her heart. Slept in my chair and slept wrong. And I literally have not been able to hardly lift up my head. And I was talking with her. She said, I, I, talking to my sweetheart. I said, baby, I don't, I don't understand this. And it just hit me yesterday. Every time we do these fasts, something physical comes against me. Last year was a kidney stone. Three years ago it was a kidney stone. I mean, I can go back and just see. Uh, one year it was just upper respiratory infection. And, 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 you know, it just amazes me how the enemy wants to come against me. Wants to come against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially when we're interceding. Especially when we're making sacrifices. Especially when our, our attention is attuned to God. As it, it usually is this time of year. And how he wants to come against us. But I want to tell you and I want to encourage you today, church. Oh, I'm not preaching yet, but I'm preaching. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. If you've joined me on this fast... This is the last week of the fast. Let's finish strong. Let's get on our faces before God. Let's intercede. I don't know what you wrote on your card that you wanted out of this fast, but if you haven't received it yet, let this be the week that God comes through for you. Let there be a breakthrough in your life. Tear apart those things that distracted you in this world that's keeping you from accomplishing what God wants to do in you and through you. I'm telling you, it's not too late. God is still alive and on the throne, and He's ready to move in the lives of His children, and He's ready for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to rise up and be who he intended us to be so don't become discouraged in well-doing keep the faith i hope you'll join me tomorrow night last monday night of the 21 days of prayer not that it stops after that i want to encourage you i don't want to browbeat you i don't want you to feel guilty that's not what this is about i want to encourage you i know you correct you collect more flies or ants with sugar than you do vinegar so consider yourself an ant today all right i want to encourage you i want to track you with some sugar show up tomorrow night for monday night prayer and see what god might do in you and through you and amongst us tomorrow as we intercede for our nation as we intercede intercede for our state and our government as we intercede for those who are sick those who are lost i'm telling you church we're missing it we're missing it we are so distracted by this world and the, and the flesh and, and and the pleasures of life that we're missing it the trumpet's going to sound and we're sleepwalking through this life and he's trying to wake you up today he's trying to wake us up today there's something that's burning in my spirit and I want us to wake up. He's coming. He's coming. Are we looking? Are we waiting? Are we loving His appearing? Are we excited about it? Are we saying, no, Lord, hold off a little longer because there's so much more I want to do. This world holds nothing. You know the only thing this world holds for me that hang, keeps me hanging on is you. It's you. Because of the calling that He's placed on my life. Because of the love that He's placed in my heart for you. It's what keeps me hanging on. That keeps the hope in me alive. I don't believe God's done with us. I believe until He comes, He's not done with us. But we have to wake up. we got to press in. I'm telling you, we have to come alive again to be the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. we got to come together and be united. we got to be there for one another. Come on. We're a family. We're a body. And I'm praying that God wakes us up, helps us to get beyond our complacency and our comfort. We're comfortable. I'm ready to be uncomfortable. I'm ready for God to move us. 
I mean, if God would move us from where we're at, I'm tired of camping in this part of the wilderness. I'm tired of camping in this part of the wilderness. I'm ready to move closer to the Jordan. I'm ready to move closer to the promised land. We're pilgrims passing through this land. I'm not here to build a home. I'm not here to build a kingdom of my own. I'm going to a place that I can only dream about, that the Bible's only given us a little bit of a description of. Oh, I long to be with my Lord, but until then, there's work to be done here. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus. I love you, church. And my heart's burning. It's burning. It's burning. We don't have much time left. We don't have much time left. I don't know how to go from there. I don't know where to go from here. But just know, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I know the struggles you're having. I see the hardships you're facing. I understand some of you, the loneliness that you're feeling. I may not be there, but I understand you're lonely and you're hurting and you're confused why things are happening the way they are. I'm just saying, stay faithful. Stay true. Stay the course. Don't give up. God's not giving up on you. And I believe there are greater days ahead. There's greater days ahead for this church. I believe that for your life, for your future, until the Lord should come. Oh, but we've got to focus. We've got to quit being distracted. We've got to keep our eyes looking to the eastern sky. I don't want to be so heavenly minded. I'm no, so earthly, I'm no earthly good. But as I keep my eyes peering towards the east... Looking and loving His appearing. It motivates me even more and more to get things right and to help people get things right in their lives. And that's really what today's about. That's really what this whole message series is about that I began two weeks ago. It's called The Disciples' Way of Life. I believe that we have been, we've been fed a lie. I believe the church is responsible. I think that the church has become so, so, so concerned with reaching the lost that we, we have we've changed the message of the gospel. I believe there's pastors have become unknowingly false teachers that Jesus spoke about uh, in, in Matthew. Unintentionally, we, we're giving a feel-good gospel. We're given a gospel that says that God should bless us with everything. We're given a gospel that says all you have to do is, is agree with what the Bible says and you're going to be okay. And I don't think that's true. Everything I read in the New Testament, what Jesus said, it's more than just agreeing with the Word of God. It's about going from being a believer to becoming a disciple and walking the walk that a disciple walked. It's a hard walk. It's a tough walk. It's a walk of sacrifice. It's not a walk of comfortability. You show me people in the Bible who decided to follow Christ or, or in the Old Testament they, they gave up their, their lives to, to be righteous before God. You show me how their life was easy. I don't see it. I don't see it where everything was given to them. I do not see that where everything was fluff and fun. I don't see that. I see hardship. I see people on the run, their lives in, in peril. I, I see them in prison uh, for, the, for the gospel, for the name of Christ. I see even the disciples, the apostles, lost their lives for sharing the gospel. It's, a, a disciple's life is not easy, but it is rewarding. And God has called us to walk in step with His Son Jesus. To walk in step with this Word right here. That we are to walk in step with Him, led of the Holy Spirit that He has implanted within us at re regeneration, at new birth. And we're to walk with Him and we're to walk in obedience to Him. It's not about agreeing with the Word. It's about living the Word. Come on, give God praise. That, that's good right there. It's about living and obeying and walking in step with what it means to be a disciple. We're playing with the things of this world. We're playing with the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. And we're so distracted. And I told you, I don't have a problem with things. I have things. But where is that priority in my life? Where does God come in my life? I believe it first has to come with, as a disciple, I have to be passionately committed to Jesus Christ. I mean, compassionately, there is no compromise. Jesus is not my Savior anymore. He is my Lord. He's already saved me. He's in the process of saving me. One day when I stand before in glory, I will be fully saved. But most importantly now is He has gone from being my Savior to being my Lord. I subject myself to Him. I submit myself to Him. And I walk in step with Him in obedience to Him we got to quit trying to change this word to agree with our lifestyle. We need to adjust our lifestyle to, to, to agree with the word. 
Oh, I'm telling you, church, he's trying to wake us up. He's trying to wake us up today. I don't know what's happening in the Baptist church. I don't know what happened in the Methodist church. I can't tell you what's happening in the Pentecostal Holiness Church down the road. All I know is God is trying to wake this church up. And I can tell you He's woke His pastor up, if you haven't noticed. He's woke me up. Come on, I'm no different than you. It's easy to sleepwalk through this life. It's easy to say, well, I'm just going to make it to the trumpet sound. Well, we're not here just to, to be here. We're here to take the kingdom. We're here to advance the kingdom. That's what this series is about, is becoming kingdom builders and advancing the kingdom and, and just moving the gates of hell back farther out of the territory that God wants us to take for His kingdom. And it begins by being compassionate, being passionately committed to Christ. Today, we're going to pick up on the check, second chapter. I really enjoyed having Rick. I hope you guys enjoyed Rick Dubos last Sunday. If you didn't hear that message, it's, it's online today. Please go back and listen to it. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I love that, how he approached that scripture. Two weeks ago, if you didn't hear the message, passionately committed to, to Christ, you need to go back and listen to that. And today, we're going to look at the second chapter or the second uh, message in this series that God laid on my heart. And I want you to absorb this today. Now, because I've taken that 10 minutes to do what I just did, I'm believing it was God. I've got to cut some stuff out now. But I just want you to follow me this morning. Be in Matthew, if you would. Matthew chapter 22. And I want the second installment, or the second installment of this series is entitled, quite in, uh, uh, honestly, now we need to be compassionately, or passionately committed to loving people. To loving people. I don't know about you. I don't want you to have some dry preaching this morning. I have found that loving God is easy. Have you found loving God's easy? I mean, think about it. The life He's given you, the things He's blessed you with, your wonderful pastor. I mean, come on, He's blessed you. I was joking there. But you know what I found is hard? Is loving people. God's perfect. He's easy to love. You're not. I'm not, right? Come on. It's not. But you know what I've come to understand? Because of that, the church has failed at loving people. We have failed at loving people. Think about what the world thinks about Christians today. Honestly. Honestly. They think we're mean-spirited. They think we're judgmental. They think we're hypocritical. And we're critical. And they want nothing to do with us whatsoever. That's the way the world has viewed us. And, and we really need to do a better job. Because what we have to understand is we have been called to act and love like Jesus. Once you are passionately committed to Christ, that loving relationship with Christ, the next step in becoming a true disciple, the true mark of a disciple is now we begin to love people the way Jesus did. And we're going to look at how, how, how we should do that today. Um, I have, I, when I was preparing this message, the Lord was just speaking to me. Um, I've got some different articles on things I, I was reading. and um, I had a, one, one commentator, he wrote this. He said, um, if there's one thing we, can, we need to understand, is Jesus never said loving people was easy. When you look through the Scriptures, He never said that loving people was easy. But what He said was, is loving people will work. Loving people is not easy. But he said loving people is how we get them into the kingdom. Loving people is that secret sauce. It is the key to getting people open to the gospel of the message. Uh, the message of the gospel. So let's look at a few scriptures this morning um, in regards to, to loving others. Okay. Now, the first one we're going to look at here, Matthew 22, is an exchange between Jesus and what the Bible depends on which translation uh, was a Pharisee or an expert of the law. And, and in this, the, the, this expert of law is trying to trap Jesus, obviously, trying to stumble him. And he simply asks, tell us, Master, tell us, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? Okay, so we, we, we know the scripture. Let's look at it. Jesus replied, I, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's what we covered two weeks ago. That's, that's a passionately committed uh, follower of Christ. That's a disciple, right? This is the first and the greatest commandment. But in reality, when you look at this, he's going to say the second is like the first. So it's as if this is really one commandment with two parts here. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus said, you know what? We are to love God 
And then we are to love your neighbor. Now, that's a simple thing. Loving God, loving your neighbor. But it gets a little bit harder. 1 John 4.20. It'll be on the board. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. So let's get this straight. Jesus is telling us here that we are to love God, we're to love our neighbors, and through the Holy Spirit's anointing, now what John tells us is we are to love our brothers and sisters. In other words, we're supposed to love those who are close to us, we're supposed to love those who can, let's be honest, get on our nerves. Right? I mean, really, those closest to the ones that seem to really get on our nerves. But it, it doesn't stop there. Over in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, it, it gets a little harder here. He says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray, pray for those who what? Who persecute you. So, okay, let me get this straight. We're called to love God. That's easy. Love our neighbor. A little bit harder. Uh, love the ones closest to you, the ones that really irritate you. Okay, that, that, that's kind of getting more difficult. And now he's telling us we need to love those who are our enemies, those who persecute us. And what Jesus is really telling us is when we get the first part right, when we get this part right, when we get our relationship with God lined up the way it's supposed to, and we have the love of Christ, and we understand how He loves us, and what He's done for us, and how He's blessed us, and what we have to look forward to, when we get this right, now we've got to get this right. There's horizontal relationships. This is easy. Now maybe submitting to Him fully is a difficult, but... I can love him because I know what he's done for me. This is not as easy, see. Jesus said this in John 15, 12. He says, my command is this. Now, he, remember, Ten Commandments, he, all the commandments. He, he, he states the, uh, the, the, two, the two greatest commandments. And now he gives a new commandment. This is actually a new commandment that Jesus gave. He says, my commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you love's important right the, the key to loving others is remembering how jesus has loved you and how he still loves you that's why i think in the beginning there I, I i just wanted us to focus that we need to remember god loves us and remember how he loves us and how he puts that love on demonstration because we know that love can be a noun or love can be a verb but i believe true love is a, is an action when you really love somebody is when you put it in action, when you show them the love. Not just saying the words, I love you, but I can tell my wife I love her, but I can show her I love her by what? Doing the laundry. Come on, wives, it's okay to amen me. Sleeping in the bed with her. Yeah, she misses me. It's been cold lately, right? Even my dog is sleeping with me, won't sleep with her. Sorry, babe, I don't know what that's all about. But anyways. But yeah, we, we, we have to understand that. See, we're not called... To argue with people. You know why? Because arguing will not open people's heart to the gospel. Arguing with people has never opened up people's heart to the gospel. Yes, we're supposed to tell people the truth. We're supposed to share the gospel. We're supposed to speak into people's life. But it's never received if it's not first done in love. Truth and love is how we reach people. We're called to love like Jesus, and He loves us so much that He sacrificed Himself for us. He gave Himself to us. One commentator said this about loving others. Maybe God made loving Him, meaning God, and our enemies the easiest way to tell if we just agree with God or whether we want to be perfect, perfected into His image. Now, I'm going to take my series and I'm going to change that a little bit. And listen, listen how I changed it. Maybe God made loving Him and our enemies the easiest way to tell if we're just believers, agreeing with Him, or whether we are disciples being transformed into the image of Jesus. Because the true sign of a disciple is one who is being transformed into the image of Christ. One who is passionately committed to Him and then is passionately committed to loving those around us. Loving our enemies. Loving the people around us. Is that evidence we are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ? 
We need to love people just like Jesus loved people. And think about it. How did Jesus show his love for people? He loved the least of them, didn't he? Jesus loved the least of them. He loved the lost. He was very passionate about reaching the lost. He, he loved across cultures. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he, he loved across cultures. Cultures did not keep him from loving and showing that love to people. He loved his enemies. He truly loved his enemies. And as he's dying on the cross, even asked for their forgiveness from his father. He loves. He loves. And we need to learn to love like he loved. We can get love. If we can get love right, people will notice and listen. And the door can be open for God's love to flood into the lives of your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, even your enemies. We have to get this right. We have to show them love and show them love in action. We have to be the light of the world. We must be the salt of the earth. We have this great opportunity to show the love of Christ and reach people for the kingdom of God. Expand the kingdom. Grow the kingdom. Build the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. When I look at the life of Christ, I realize how much He is full of compassion. And that's what we have to do. We have to open our hearts up and be compassionate for other people. Jesus was full of compassion. When he encountered a sick person, what did he do? Come on, he healed them. When he comes up on a funeral and there's a mom weeping because she's lost her young son, what does he do? He has compassion and he goes over there and he raises the son back to life. Think about it. When he, when he encountered hungry people, he didn't say, go back home and get something to eat. He fed them. He took what they had to offer and he fed them. He, he helped those under social injustice, right, and oppression. He delivered people from demonic oppression. He loved people. He cared about people. He was full of compassion and, he's got, and he got into people's proximity. That's what I love about Jesus. He is our example. He saw them in their need. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he saw these people, what did he do? He had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is what I, I have come to understand. To, to, to grow, the key to growing compassion is seeing the need of people. The key to growing compassion is seeing the need of people. You have to be in people's proximity. You start getting compassionate when you start seeing the needs of those around you. The problem is we live in such an isolated life. We get in our cars five minutes later than we ought to to go to work or to church. We have our music going and we're just focused on getting to wherever we're going. When we get home, we pull up into our garage and we shut our garage doors and we go inside. We put up privacy fences because we don't want to see the neighbor's junk and we don't want the neighbor to see our junk. That's my problem. I have it up so they don't see my junk. When it's time to take the garbage to the street or get the mail, you look outside to make sure your neighbors aren't out there because you don't want to talk to them. Am I lying? You come up to a red light where there's a, where there's a homeless person who's hungry uh, or has a sign up. The first thing we do is we cast judgment on the people and we look the opposite direction because we don't want to make eye contact with them. Because you know if you make eye contact with them, compassion will fill your heart and you'll have to open up your wallet or take them to get them something to eat. I'm serious about this. It's funny, but it's true. It is true. We don't want to make eye contact with people. Because we're afraid we might see a need and have to stop and talk to somebody or encourage somebody. See? If you want to build compassion, spend some time in the front yard and meet those who live around you in your neighborhood. Or go in the area where there's people who are in need. All you have to do is go down to Harrison Avenue, Harrison Avenue after, after business hours and you're going to see a whole community of people down there that, that, you know what, they're just looking for, they're really not even looking for a handout. They're looking for compassion. 
Or go over here where the tornadoes went by. Drive through there and see if there's some people who might need some help. See the need. Extend compassion. Go on a missions trip. Trust me, you go on a missions trip, you're going to see compassion. But you don't have to do that. You can see it right here in Bay County. If we just open our eyes and we lift our heads and we see the needs around us, those needs are opportunity for you to put the love of Jesus in action. Love is the key to the kingdom of opening people's hearts to the kingdom. See the need and compassion grows. If you want to love like Jesus, then we have to get closer to the people. He loves and let compassion grow in us. Another thing we need to do that I noticed that Jesus does in showing showing love is we need to show respect. What, What has happened to respect in our country? We don't respect anybody. It's not just woke. It's not just woke. I, someone cried out, well, it isn't woke. It's just we lack respect for anybody. Even in the church. We don't respect one another. We, we, we have to think about this. Jesus. Jesus goes beyond respect. In a time and a culture where women were just had no rights, and women were just basically property owned by men, Jesus did not treat women that way. He respected women. He invited women to follow Him, to be a part of the ministry. He used them. He respected them. We all know the first person He talked to, and it was God-ordained after He rose from the grave, was Mary Magdalene. It, It was a woman. They were important in His ministry. He respected them. What about children? He loved kids. There again, they they were just troublemakers. They were pain. They were distractions. Oh no, the master has to rise. No, let them kids come in here and crawl all over me. I'll be a playground for a while. He respected children. He loved children. How did he handle the poor? He didn't look down on the poor. He wasn't judgmental. He had compassion for them. He knew there was a better life for them. He knew He could change their circumstances. And He had compassion on them. And He helped them. People of other cultures already mentioned this. He went out of His way to talk to them. He showed respect to everybody. Today's culture, we look back at people that did things in their past when things were different, and we bring it today and we judge people in the past by the standards of today. Now, I'm not here to say right, wrong, or indifferent. The good thing about my Lord and Savior, you can look at how He lived His life 2,000 years ago. Bring Him into today's culture, and you cannot put Him on the stand of judgment saying that He did anything improper and wrong, even in the standards today that we hold. He respected people. We need to get back to showing respect and kindness to others, regardless of who they are, or where they're from. It doesn't matter their religious beliefs. It doesn't matter where their religious beliefs are. It doesn't matter if they believe in God like we do, or they believe in some other false God. It doesn't matter. They deserve our respect. They deserve our respect. We don't have to agree with them, but as individuals created in the image of God, they deserve our respect. It doesn't matter, come on, what their sexual orientation is. I may not like the sin, but I love the person. In my personal life, I've got two nephews that are homosexuals. They're living that life. I love them young men. My heart breaks for them. I'm not casting judgment on nothing. I'm praying for them. I want them to know that they can come into my presence, and I'm going to hug them and love them, and they're going to see the love of Jesus. Oh, they know where I stand. They know where I stand. Do you hear me, church? They, are, they deserve my respect because although they're living in a sinful lifestyle, they're still created in the image of God. Oh my goodness. It doesn't matter what the socioeconomic status is. No matter if you're rich. I'd like to have a few more rich people in here. Don't matter if you're poor. It don't matter if you're in between. Respect. It doesn't matter how you're dressed. Doesn't matter what car you drive. Doesn't matter what street you live on. We even love Brother Glenn. He lives on the other side of the tracks, but we still love him. Come on, he's a hood. Bunch of you hoods in here. I think our community's gone to the hoods. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. Oh boy, you got quiet on me now. I don't care if you're green card, purple card, red card, Democrat, Republican, Independent. You know what? I'm going to respect you. I may not agree with your politics, 
We can have a discussion about that if you want to. But I think you know where I stand on some issues. I'm a man of morality. I don't have to go down the list. I don't want to say I don't care about economics, because obviously economics affects all of us. God is, is my keeper. God is my provision. So, hey, listen, that's not... But let's talk about the unborn. Come on, let's talk about those things that are moral. Let's talk about... But you're going to still get my respect. We may have to agree to disagree, but we need to respect them and quit dishonoring people. This world is full of hatred. And it's in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to quit hating people. We have to get back to respecting people. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. I hope we know that. I hope we understand it doesn't matter that we're white. We got one Mexican in here. I'm so glad, Michelle. You kind of make us smoke. And Brother Keith, Brother, I'm so... I'm so glad that you are a greeter at the front door of our church. I am. I don't want to control who does and who doesn't come here. I just want anyone who comes here to feel welcome, regardless. Regardless. And I'm going to say one thing, more thing about that. It doesn't matter what country you come from. I'll tell you what, I don't like the border any more than you do because it is affecting all of us. But those people who are coming into this nation, respect them. Be careful what you say about them. I guarantee you, if we were in their situation, we'd probably be doing everything we could to get in this country. Matter of fact, I don't see many of y'all leaving this country. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying things don't seem change. We're not talking politics. We're talking respect. I'm preaching, I know. And I'm kind of coming across hard. But we've got to get this right. Because you never know when you might have an illegal alien come through that door. And because their skin's a different color, or they have an accent, or maybe they don't speak our language that well, immediately we start disrespecting them. You, I guarantee you, be watching it. Watch yourself. Watch the words. Watch your conversations. We need to learn to respect. Let compassion flow and show respect and honor every single person. Because you know what? That's how Jesus loves. I need to speed it up. Got on my soapbox there. I hope everybody's... Bright and clean now. Jesus also loved by listening. He listened. He was a great listener. In a world where we're all too busy, too busy to look up from our little mini-me's. Our smartphones, not our children. Our mini-me's because our life's on those things. We've got pictures, we've got notes, we've got emails. We got our finances on them. I understand. But it's like we're so busy walking around like this anymore. Keep with me, cameraman. I got to keep my eyes down so I don't fall off the stage. And we're, we're constantly, we're like, okay, what's my next stop? What's the next thing I got to do? You know, and when, when we do that, we miss the opportunity to see those people around us. You know what the love of Jesus could look like? The love of Jesus could look like you just stopping and listening to somebody. When we're so busy multitasking that we seldom have the time to listen but it looks like love when we slow down and stop to listen to people jesus was a listener when jesus talked to people he took the time to listen and he always gave a, th a thoughtful response one of the great stories in the new testament is over in mark chapter 10 and jesus is approached by a sincere young man and the bible describes him as a wealthy young ruler meaning that he was a wealthy young man coming from a wealthy family in a very sincere conversation with Jesus, he simply says, Master, Rabbi, how can I be saved? And Jesus starts off with, well, keep the commandments. And the young man says, you know, Rabbi, I have done that since I was a child. And Jesus says, that's good. And then Jesus, then Jesus tells him what to do. And Jesus, and this is in verse 21. He says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and had compassion on him. And because he was listening, and looked upon him with compassion. Listen to the response he gave. This sounds harsh. But listen to this response. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And then come follow me. You know, there's nowhere else in any other story where Jesus tells a person that. Why? This was unique to this one man. He looked at the man's heart. He saw the man was sincere. The, man, the young man was sincere. And he says, let me tell you the secret for you. You have something that's in place of God. That's what you need to deal with first. 
Why? Because Jesus had, he looked at him, he listened to him, he could heal, hear in the young man's heart the sincerity. I believe that. I don't think I'm reading between the lines here. He felt genuine love for him and listened to him. And out of love for the young man, Jesus gave him the truth. The young man didn't like it, but Jesus was honest with him. He listened and was compassionate. I think we should listen with love. I believe Christians should be the best listeners in the world. I think when somebody at work needs someone to talk to, you should be the person they come to. It's amazing that when I was in the secular world in my mission field and over at Tyndall Federal Credit Union, a few of y'all got saved and followed me to Bear Creek, and I thank God for that. It wasn't unusual. I didn't, I didn't wear my, my status as a minister on my sleeve. I didn't really wear the status as I was a Christian on my sleeve. I just lived the life. I believed the best I could for Christ. But people knew. And it's amazing how people would come to my office and sit down and just share life with me. And I'm not trying to put myself on the pedestal. I didn't have the answers for people. But so often they would leave that room and they'd just ask me to pray for them. But they felt better. Why? Because I listened. I listened. And I listened with compassion. And I encourage, I think we should be the best listeners. We're often quick to give the advice. But before you do, listen to the heart of the person. See? And then let the Holy Spirit use you to speak into their situations. Another thing Jesus did to show love was he encouraged people. He encouraged them to write. He, he, he encouraged them to love their enemies. He encouraged them to give to the poor. He encouraged them to be merciful he told the religious leaders they weren't doing things they ought to be doing and he told his followers the things that they should be doing that was encouraging he encouraged them to live a higher level you know what i'm tired as christians that we don't live at the level that god wants us to live now many of you the first time i said that you think i'm thinking about finances and, and, the, and the material blessings and and i think there's some truth to that god wants to bless us he said that that's part of the original covenant he wants to bless us so that we can be a a blessing so i definitely think it but a higher level in him a higher, see, we get the idea that our whole calling, what we're here to do, is to build our kingdoms. We don't look at it that way, but think about it. I'm guilty of it. I mean, this message series that, that God's birthed within me through reading and listening and just praying is coming from a place in my own life where I, I, I wasn't advancing the kingdom, but you're a pastor. Yeah, but I wasn't advancing the kingdom. There's things that I personally need to be doing to advance the kingdom. I don't need to be laying up treasures here on earth. Y'all got quiet on me. I didn't say you didn't need to. I said I don't need to. But you may not need to be doing it either. Instead, I need to be giving all I can, all my energy, all my resources, everything I can to the kingdom of God. I'm worried about it. I know y'all don't want to hear it because I'm nowhere. Listen, I am nowhere close to this, so don't worry about that. Thinking about retirement. I'm 57. 57, babe? 57. I think I'm 57. 58. Maybe I'm 58. Forgive me. Born in 66. How's that? I, I'm proud of my age. Listen, I'm this. I look old because of y'all. I can tell you that. I've got pictures show. I was. I was great. I was not gray headed. I was skinny when I came here. So, this. I don't eat because I'm hungry. I eat because I'm stressed a lot of time. But, but seriously, and God's laid it on my heart. I'm gonna share more of this in the future. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be preaching. Uh, in the future on a, a part of this series, but God just laid on my heart. He said, why are you worried about retirement? You retire when I'm ready for you to retire. When you do, I'll take care of you. Now, I'm not telling you you don't need to worry about retirement. I'm not saying that's why I'm still putting money towards retirement, but I was so worried about getting to that place. And like I said, don't worry, I'm here at least till I'm 85. You know, you, think, you do those little things where it says, okay, where are you at now? What age do you want to retire? What do you want to have in your time? You put that in there. It's like, well, I'm going to live to be 105 then if I'm at this rate, right? But the point I'm trying to, trying to make is, is I, I was so worried about that that I don't, I need to quit worrying about building my kingdom. I need to be building his kingdom. If I build his kingdom, he says that I have no needs. And the needs I have, he will meet according to his riches in glory. The righteous are never going to be starving and, 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 and begging for bread. He's going to take care of us. We have to refocus and understand that we are to be kingdom builders. We're to be kingdom advancers. It's all about his kingdom. And part of that is loving people. And a part of that is being encouraging. The world is full of people who need an encouraging world. And we're the ones who can give true encouragement. 
This world is full of criticism and judgment and starved of encouragement. And I believe words of encouragement give, give compound interest. I know that from my own life. What do you mean compound interest, Pastor? Will you encourage somebody? That's, that resonates with that person. It stays in their mind. And that's something they'll recall over and over and over and over and over and over again. I still remember things that my teachers told me to encourage me when I was in high school. I still remember things my dad told me when I was a kid that encouraged me even today. Many of you have encouraged me over, over the last couple of months. Just encouraging words that stick with me, that, that, just, that just builds me up to where I feel like I can take on the gates of hell. I'm serious. I'm human. And that's not a plea for you guys to send me cards and come up and... And bless my heart, okay? I'm just saying, I'm just like you. You know it. Encouragement, it changes and it has compound interest. Words are powerful. Encouragement lifts you up. Fills your emotional tank with confidence over and over again. Encouragement makes a huge difference in the lives of people. It does. The last thing I want to point out to you is that the last thing I see, it's actually the first way that Jesus showed His love. Is he loved sacrificially. Sacrificially. Listen. I'll tell you something. If you're truly going to be a disciple of Christ. And you have compassion. Compassion about people. Compassion towards people. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. I think. Can we, can we just take the, 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 the smiley faces off for just a minute. and Let's make eye contact for just a minute. I want, I want you to hear this. I believe the reason why most of the time we don't want to show compassion towards people is because we know it's going to cost us something. It may cost you giving up some of your time to sit down and to listen to somebody. See, It may, it may mean that it, you, you, it's going to take some time and invite your neighbor over or go over and check on your neighbor. Have them over for a meal. See how life is going for them. It's going to take some time and, or it may take some money, rather, when you see someone in need that you open up your wallet. And you don't give them a handout. You give them a blessing. Don't be judgmental. Not everybody who is poor and in need is there because they can get out of it. Not everybody. And I promise you, if you give something in the name of the Lord and, and they're a scammer, God will deal with them, but He will bless you. He will bless you. 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know we love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. That's what you do when you're all in as a disciple. You show the love of God and it's going to cost you something. Love at its core is sacrificial. Love is not love until it's put on demonstration. And that will always cost you something. To be a disciple, you have to shift from showing reasonable love to showing Christ-like love. You know what reasonable love is? Remember when, when Jesus was, was talking and teaching about uh, loving your enemies? Uh, he said, even the tax collectors love those who love them. Says even the tax, that's reasonable love. It's real easy to love my wife. Well, most of the time. No, because why? She loves me. It's real easy to love you. Because you love me. It's not so easy to love people out there in the world who don't think the way I think, look the way I look, agree with the things that I agree with, see. But it's going to cost you something. It, even the tax collectors, which were the lowly of the lows, they were more less thought of than, than the prostitutes in that culture. That's why Jesus chose the tax collectors. He said, even they love those who love them. We need to be moved beyond reasonable love and love with a kind of love that makes people scratch their heads and wonder, why are you loving that person like that? See. So how does it look? We land this plane. Actually, we're doing approach. This isn't the landing. So how does that look like? What does what practical love look like when we're loving like Jesus? How do we put that into practice? Well, I think it begins by being approachable. All right? 
And I'm just going to be honest with you, church. We have to become more approachable, not just in the four walls of this church, but when we're out in the community or when the community to our facilities for whatever reason. We need to to learn to smile. So we're going to practice that. This side, give me your best smile. Come on, there we go. Beautiful smiles, beautiful smiles. Brother Glenn, I didn't see you smile. There we go, smiling. Don't let me call you out. Don't make me call you out. Come on, smiles, smiles. Sam, you got a bigger smile than that. Quit fighting me. All right, quit fighting me. All right, let's try this side. Smiles. Come on, don't make me turn you upside down. All right. See, that's not so hard. I think we need to remove the scowl from our faces. We walk around like we're miserable. All right, I'm going to preach now. I'm going to take my jacket off. I'm going to get serious with y'all. Now I'm getting hot. My throat's getting dry. We, we, we need to. We, we, we need to stop being so gloom and doom. And, you know, the old song, Hee Haw song. Y'all know what Hee Haw is, right? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, y'all missed your moment. Yeah. We need to stop, stop being so negative. Come on. We got, I'm talking to you. Don't turn a deaf, deaf ear to me. I'm not telling you you have to lie to people when they ask how you're doing, but at least put a little faith in it. You know, a lot of y'all ask me, hey, Pastor, how you doing? And, and today I, I was honest, my neck's hurting bad. And so I didn't want to lie and say, man, I'm doing great. I said, but I am doing better. I'm getting there. I'm like a hair in a biscuit. I'm hanging on, right? I don't know. I thought y'all knew that saying. I'm sorry. So many of us, so many of us, Look and act like the Grinch when we should be the most joy-filled people in the world. I think we're still close enough to Christmas that that relates. I think we have to become more sensitive to those we walk by every day. I believe every day God, every day God opens a door opportunity for you to minister to somebody if you will just look around you as you go. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It may be somebody that you're doing working with and the Holy Spirit just lays on your heart to say something encouraging or to notice that they're not themselves and simply ask. I know when we open up the, 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 the can, the worms come out. What's wrong? You just don't sing yourself today and watch if they don't tell you something in their life. And don't just say, well, I hate that. Oh, I'm so sorry. No. What's our, what should our response be? Let's pray. Can I pray for you right now? Oh my goodness. Do y'all believe in prayer? Do you believe in prayer? Let's pray for people. Get to know your neighbors. And don't make them a church project. I do want them to come to church with you. But don't let that be your whole sole purpose. Get to know your neighbors. Know their names. Know their children's names. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something, see? How about this one? Carry some cash with you so that when you come across somebody in need and the Lord leads you. Now, for some of y'all, it's going, I know it's going to be an audible voice for you to do that. I'm joking, church. Come on. You know that. Have some cash ready. Look, it's going to be a hard enough miracle for God to get you to slow down and notice them. Don't make him have to produce money in your wallet to give them. You're kidding me, Pastor. No. Carry a spare $10 bill around in your wallet. And next time you see somebody that's in need. And don't just say, here you go. Maybe even invite them. Hey, can I go buy you lunch? Well, pastor, they're going to go buy cigarettes and alcohol. You don't know that. And if they do, like I said earlier, if you feel led to do it, do it. I don't care if you say, look, please don't buy any alcohol cigarettes with this. If you feel like you need to do that. But I wouldn't even do that. And by the way, we got little business cards out there that you can take with you that has the name of the church. It just says, I want to bless you. And this is, lets you know Jesus loves you. You can give that with them and to them. But talk to them. Pastor, I don't have the time. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. I hope you're getting that. Love looks like paying for someone's gas that can't afford it. Love looks like visiting your neighbor when they're in the hospital. Love looks like helping someone load their groceries in their car. See, love looks like stopping to talk to someone who you can tell is distressed or crying, having a bad day. There's so many other ways to show the love of Christ. All I'm asking us to do 
Let's do it. Are you a disciple of Christ? That's, that's not for you to respond. It's a rhetorical question. Are you a disciple of Christ? If you are, that means that you are passionately committed to Christ and that you should be passionately loving other people with the love of Christ. Where does that come from? It comes from God. You cannot love them in your love. But when you remember what Jesus has done for you, and you let the love of God fill your heart, you will see these opportunities. And you know what? The first one's going to be difficult. The second one's going to be difficult. You may be rejected. But eventually, as you walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit, doors are going to open up. And man, it's intoxicating when you start being used of the Holy Spirit to speak into people's lives and to bless them. To bless them. He blesses you to be a blessing. He didn't leave us on this world, in this world, that we were saved, just to arrive to heaven safely. He says, no, we're here to fight a spiritual war and reach as many people as we can for the kingdom of God. You guys are really nervous right now, and you should be. This morning, I sat in my class, and my anointed teacher, Brother Glenn, was teaching. He was teaching a book on the end time. The Great Disappearance by Dr. David Jeremiah. Great book. And as we were sitting there and just discussing, because I believe in small groups and I believe in Sunday school, I stay in there for about 30 minutes before I come out and just get my mind ready for, to, for the service. Because I believe it's important. I don't ask you to do anything I don't do. So if you're not in a Sunday school class, get in one. And if we sat in there, we was talking about what that day would be like when the trumpet sounds. And it's really awesome because we said, you know what? There will be prisoners who have given their hearts to Jesus that will leave their cells. And we're hoping there's a few guys that work in the prison that will, will go as well, right? Hopefully they're not just looking for prisoners, but they're looking, they're, they're looking, they're looking for the officers as well. <laughs> we're praying, we're praying. Uh, but think about that. And then the chaos in the, in the prison. Where do all these prisoners go, right? I think it was Brother Glenn that brought up being at a funeral, I've had two funerals in the last 10 days. And being at a funeral and the rapture take place in the body and the casket, whoo! Of course, I'd go, because why? The dead in Christ go first. I thought, wow, that's going to be, be awesome. You know, all these, all these happy things when you think about it. Then my heart went to, but wait a minute. Those are great things, right? But, but what about the ones who are left? Of course, we immediately went to, what about the plane? Would the, would the captain be saved in the plane? You know, is there a captain on board? But the chaos. In my heart, knowing what this message was today, I felt like the Holy Spirit, because I didn't know how I was going to do this message, and I know this is how I need to do it. Reality is, God doesn't desire anyone to be left behind. And hear me. We need to stop praying that God saves people. Now, before you cast me out, I'm going to quantify what I'm talking about. God has done all he can do to save people. He sent his son to die on the cross and to rise again. He's done doing what he needs to do to see souls saved. He's telling you to go, look, the harvest is plentiful. It's plentiful, it's ripe, it's ready. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that He'd send forth laborers. We're passing through this land. I got to thinking, as Brother Glenn, I, I had to leave, I don't know how it ended. But my heart then quickly went to, what will this church look like the day after the rapture. I hope it's empty. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. And I'm not here to scare. I'm not a hellfire and brimstone guy. But the question has to be asked. 
Will any of you be here? Are you going to be one of those who agree with the word, but never committed to it? Because if that's you, I'm concerned for you. And there's no judgment. God hasn't laid anyone on my mind to be preaching to about this. I'm just, so just, I'm down here because I, I think that we need to make eye contact. Because if that's you today, I want you to move from being someone who believes that that is the Word of God and that believes Jesus is the Son of God and that He did die on the cross. But isn't that salvation? But He never intended us to believe. He said, come follow me. Are you saying I'm not going to heaven? I'm not saying that at all. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that He wants us to be disciples that are passionately in love with Him that follow and obey that word and that we passionately love others into the kingdom. Which brings me to the second thing. How are we doing that? If Jesus, if God's done all he's going to do to save people, what's he waiting on? He's waiting on you and I. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, I'm not a preacher. Let your light shine before all men that they see your good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Be the salt of the earth. How do we do that? We do that by loving. The secret sauce to the kingdom of God, getting people in the kingdom of God, is loving. And putting that love on demonstration. Would bow your heads with me. Lord, part of me, kind of glad that this part's over. Because my heart has been burdened, Lord, for this church, for these people, and for our community, God. You have planted this church uniquely where it's at. And you have gifted us. You've qualified us. Lord, you have blessed us with resources, unlimited, God, to impact our community, our neighbors, co-workers or friend in our family God I don't want to judge success on numbers by any means Lord I don't think that's how you operate God it's not a it's not a business model God it really isn't Lord it's a kingdom model but nonetheless father I'm I know that I'm not satisfied with these altars being empty people not seeking salvation people not seeking you restoration, forgiveness. And my heart's burdened, God. I want this church to fully be what you have called us to be, a church that's in love with you, that have gone beyond just amening the Scripture to living the Scripture out in our lives. Oh, God, and this is just the beginning of this series, Lord, of things that you're challenging us with. But it begins there, putting you first in every aspect of our lives. And then walking in obedience to you. God, have mercy on us. God, don't give up on us. But Lord, wake in this church. God, wake in this church up, Lord. Wake us up, God. And see the harvest that's ahead of us, Lord. It's not necessarily just about getting to our destination throughout the day. But God, it's the journey. It's the people that we pass for Oh, give us the, the compassion that Jesus had when He looked upon the people and they were looked as if they were sheep without a shepherd. He weeped over Jerusalem. And Father, may we begin to weep over the lost in our lives. Every head bowed and eye closed this morning. I wonder with the nature of this message and the idea behind it that maybe the Holy Spirit's tugged at your heart. And you could say this morning, you know, Pastor, I feel a tug and I want to go beyond being a believer. I want to become a disciple. I want to be committed to Jesus completely and committed to his ways. I don't want to dabble in the world anymore. I'm tired of the hardships that my flesh is bringing me. I'm tired, oh God, of not walking according to your will. I'm just tired, Lord. And I want to walk with you. If that's you this morning, this could be the day that that changes. 
Will you just raise your hand? Please. Let this be the day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let this be the day. Thank you. That you're going to say, I'm going to stop being a believer. And I'm going to start being a disciple. I'm going to let this world leave it behind. And I'm going to follow wherever you lead. And I'm going to walk in obedience. Anybody else? I've had four or five hands. Thank you. Thank you. I believe by you raising your hand right there that you are confirming your faith in Jesus Christ and that you're ready. Now let me tell you, it's not going to be easy. I think those that I've seen their hands, you've already been fighting the fight. You know it's not going to be easy. But I want to encourage you today as Jesus would. Stay true to the walk that He's called you to. Don't look to the left or to the right. Remember, the path that leads to destruction is wide for a reason. The crowds are heading to hell. They're heading to destruction. Stay on that narrow path that leads to life. It's going to cost you something. But trust me, what you have to give up is nothing compared to what you receive in return. Don't give up. Continue to fight the good fight. Walk that walk that God's called you to. I want to encourage those that raise their hands. If you're not in a discipleship group, if you're not in a small group, please, that's where you find freedom. That's where you build relationships. That's where accountability comes in. That is the strongest and the most important part of this church. It's not me preaching on Sunday mornings. It's that small group where you're learning the Word of God and you're learning how to apply it to your life. And then God comes along and uses me to encourage you with that. Please be faithful. Plans for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you are a disciple. And you're doing all you can to follow Christ. But you still struggle with loving people. If that's you today, there's nothing more important that you can do besides give your life to Christ than to learn to love people. Have you ever thought that maybe the people in your life that are unlovable, God put there to teach you how to love? The only way we learn to love is when those people come into our lives that are hard to love. That's when it becomes the love of God. So pray for that person or those people. And pray for yourself and make it a determination that you are going to love them without reservation. Regardless of who they are, regardless of what they've done, you may be the key to that person getting saved if they're unsaved. Oh, what a great day that would be when they come to know Christ. Father, I believe, Lord, this morning I've, I've, I've laid it out plainly. I've given practical examples as you laid on my heart. And Father, I pray that we be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that you've called us to be. Lord, I love that title. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are your church. Bought with your blood, empowered by your Spirit, charged with carrying out the commission of reaching the lost and making disciples. God, on the day of judgment, may we as a church and as individuals, Lord, as we stand before you, God, may we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. God, may we do all within our power, acknowledging who we are in you, and your call upon our lives to be the body of Christ you call us to be, Lord, and love people into the kingdom. Give us that love, Father. Give us that love, God. Help us to drop the judgmental side of our personalities, God. The critical side of us, God. May we be open to loving people without condition. And then, Lord, with that, God, open doors, God, that we can now lead them to the kingdom of God. Grant it, Lord, I pray. Grant it, Lord, I pray. I feel led this morning as we close this service. For I dismiss you. If there's any among you this morning who needs special prayer. I know this is different. We don't do this too often this way. But I really feel led. If you're here this morning and you need special prayer, I want to invite you to come to the altars and I'm going to call my prayer team down and we're going to anoint you with oil and pray for you. Anybody at all need special prayer this morning? Thank you, Brother Mike. Come on down. We're going to pray for you. 
Brother Mike begins his treatments tomorrow. He needs a touch in his body. We're believing in his healing. Amen. Anybody else need special prayer? I need some, I need some ladies to come up here and play, pray with Sister Marie with me. Anybody else that needs special prayer? If you would, folks, just stay with me for just a moment. I'm going to dismiss you in just a moment. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over all of you. Amen. Anybody else? I'm just giving people time to get up front. Amen. Over each and every one of them, Lord. You know what you have in store for them, even this afternoon, Lord. You know what's coming against them, Lord. You know that you're for them, God. And, Lord, there are doors that are opening and doors that are closing, God. And I pray, Lord, you have your way and your will in each and every one of their lives. God, may everything they put their hands to, God, be blessed of you. God, many, God, are needing doors open, Lord. Open those doors, God, that no man can open, Father. And, Lord, I just pray for your love upon them. Help them every day understand, Lord, how much you love them. And out of that appreciation for your love and compassion, Lord, may they love others with that same type of compassion. Help us to open our eyes and to see the people around us, God. May we see the need, Lord, and not turn a deaf ear or a blind eye. But, God, help us to be bold in our walk and our faith with you, God. And as we pray and the Holy Spirit according to you will Lord may signs and wonders and miracles take place in the lives of those that we're praying for in the name of Jesus God help us as we journey from being believers to disciples God help us all to grasp God this process this journey you called us all to Lord in the name of Jesus the strong son of God I ask in Jesus name amen amen Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.